I'm Audrey Cooper, the editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and you're listening to Fifth Emission. A lot has changed over the last month, including at BART, but some of its big problems remain. BART is suffering from tremendous financial losses as the Bay Area is on the fourth week of sheltering in place. Ridership is only 6% of normal, and the transit system has cut its weekday service dramatically. Trains are running only every 30 minutes and services ending earlier at night. But some essential workers still rely on BART to get them to work during this crisis. And it turns out they're dealing with the same troubles, perhaps even more concentrated, that were happening before coronavirus. Joining me to talk about BART and the troubles on the system is Phil Mateer. Now, Phil, have you taken BART since the shelter-in-place began? Yeah, I've taken it a couple of times, and I've got to confess that uh, it was both out of necessity and then out of interest. Uh, I went, took BART because I had to get from one place to the other really quick, and it was the only way to go. And I went down, and it was unbelievable. The platforms, the stations were just so empty and so quiet. And then I got on the trains, and that's where a bit of the shock was because they were not filled, but a good number of the people in there, I would have to say were homeless or close to homeless, shuttling around the Bay Area. That's incredible. Is it more, does it look like more people than were normally on it? Or is it just apparent because um, your average writers are not on BART right now? I would have to say it's a combination of both. What we have is the ridership in BART has dropped something like 93%. It was at 405,000 rides a day at its peak a couple of months ago, averaging. Now it's down around 25,000. And it's for uh, essential workers. So like everybody, we have workers getting up and going to work in the morning. And then we have them going home in the evening and staggered in between. Now, the first time I took BART was in the morning and it was a commuter ride. And so there were commuters mixed in with... Uh, But meanwhile, because what happened was, although the riders dropped, the fare jumpers that have been hitting BART for the last couple of years continued at the same rate. They were pulling 238 of them off during their sweeps at the Embarcadero Center. And I was talking with the BART cops and they said, yeah, it's pretty much, it's an ongoing thing. So I got on the train to see what it was like. And Audrey, I have to say that like, without the other passengers, yes, they were more self-evident. But also these are people that have no place else to go and they do opt to sort of shelter in place on a BART train as it's floating around the Bay Area going through three to four different counties. And it's it's eerie to see and for both for safety and for health reasons. But that is what BART is up against because they're having a tougher time getting the police and fare officers down into the platforms where they're getting close to these people. There's questions about health. People are calling in saying, I've got to stay at home and take care of my kids. So they're having a, a, a fight on their hands as well. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about the BART evasion problem. But but part of the issue also seems to be that BART cut its service pretty dramatically. Um, as, as you say, the ridership is way down. They're facing hundreds of millions of dollars in uh, losses from people not paying for tickets anymore. Are the cars that are left over, are they more crowded too? What, what was that like? 
No, I would have to say BART is empty. They run the same sort of length of trains. They're cutting back on the service in terms of times, but no, not nearly as crowded as it was before. They've stripped it down because of their scheduling and the time differences to pretty much trying to deliver for what they're calling essential workers. That could be anybody from a police officer to a nurse to somebody working in a grocery store. So we're not, the cars themselves, I would say you would maybe see uh, seven to 10 people per car. And that, by my count, four to five of them would be on the homeless or close to homeless area. And that would be during the commute. On the other time, it would be more like seven or eight out of the ten is on the on the homeless side. Some covered up, sleeping, uh, trying to make do. Some appear to be passed out. Some are just sitting there uh, watching the, the landscape go by because it's a place to sit. And and you spoke to um, I believe a social worker who was using it using Bart to get to her job. She was an essential worker. She needs to get to work. What are writers, normal writers who are who are really many of them on the front lines of fighting the coronavirus? What are they saying about what it's like to ride Bart right now? What they're saying is that they are making do. A lot of them, masks are everywhere. People are wearing masks. They're kind of used to it, uh, I have to say. A lot of the, what we call the frontline workers are used to dealing with this type of, of population. So they, they take their seat. They separate from everybody else. Uh, today I was on it. I took the BART over to Oakland and, uh, uh, on the way back, uh, there was a, uh, uh, one homeless guy and he was talking about it, uh, and he was talking about how it was a blessing that he had no place else to go. So I said, so where are you going? He said, I'm, I'm going to be getting off a civic center at the end and I'm going to go into my tent. And this was his alternative to being on the streets of San Francisco. So the riders themselves, they, they sometimes they feel iffy. They feel iffy about the safety. They feel iffy about somebody coughing. And they move from car to car uh, to find a place where they feel they have their space. Another thing that was a little on the interesting side was that the, the homeless tend to prefer the older cars. I don't know if people aren't familiar with BART. They have old cars that are... And then they have the new ones. Uh, the new ones are hard plastic. Uh, the seats aren't very comfortable. And there's plenty of room for standing, but not a lot of room for sitting. The older cars are much more cushiony, and that's where you tend to find the homeless. That's really interesting. Uh, the, we know that BART has had a problem with homeless people that just ride the, the station around. They've, they've taken a lot of steps in the last year or so to try to deal with this population are are now that they're sort of concentrated in fewer trains with fewer riders are there outreach workers trying to get them out of the system and get them into housing i mean there is no time like the present and we know that they would be much safer and the rest of the population would be much safer if they were indoors is that work still continuing I didn't see any evidence of that, Audrey, either in the stations, and I stopped off at a couple of stations and went upstairs to the uh, public areas around. I didn't see any evidence of social workers. I, did, I saw police and I saw uh, BART workers, station agents and such. I didn't see much effort to try to place anybody or ask anybody uh, where they, what they might need or anything like that. What I saw were police officers now that have come out of the trains and out of the platforms being stationed directly at the gates. 
just to be a visible presence there to warrant and to be a presence to say, don't come in unless you've got a ticket and have a place to go. So that's where they are. BART has also been closing off some of the entrances to the stations. Uh, Some of the entrances had multiple uh, stairs going down into them. They're closing those down. They're gating those up for the time being in order to limit access so that everybody has to come through a control point. I would say that this uh, system, though not perfect, seems to work comfortably with the station agents because they feel safer now that they have somebody there with them. Uh, passengers seem to be okay with it because it's it's uh, it it is blocking. But I I have to say that there you know there are something like forty seven BART stations, hundred and twelve miles of track that I said skirt from everywhere from the San Francisco airport all the way down to Fremont and points in between out to Antioch, and it's a tremendous amount of area to cover. And, you know, it's it's one thing, you know, when we talk about buses and, and, and things like that, but this is actually a floating, almost a floating town and uh, that, that stretches out over an immense area. So uh, it, what's one thing what you see in the stations, but when you get down into the trains, you're sealed up and it's a different feeling. And that's when it starts feeling different. That's when it sort of feels a bit spooky. Well, yeah, I'm I'm sure it's very spooky for some of these people because you don't have as many other passengers um, to reach out to or people to help make you feel safe. I know Bart was thinking uh, or, uh, you know, doing some fair gate hardening. Uh, They were going to be doing fair, more fair sweeps. They had an ambassador program. Is any of that still moving forward, given the budget problems, given the fact that non-essential workers are supposed to be sheltering in place? Now, the fair gate hardening program is supposedly proceeding. I didn't see anybody working on it, though. I don't know if it's been deemed an essential uh, activity. A lot of I've, I've noticed around San Francisco, a lot of what was looked appeared to be public works projects are going either very slowly or virtually non-existent. So it's up to each uh, system how they want to deploy. BART has chosen to deploy its with its cutback in services, its drivers, its operators and such into other work uh, in getting the new cars, they, what they call the fleet of the future, trying to get them ready to go online. They're trying to expand the work they're doing on the trans-based tunnel now that cars have stopped running at nine o'clock rather than later so that they gives them a couple of extra hours to get work done but no Audrey I did not see that if anything they're having to retool reposition and and sort of like man dress whatever battle stations they can for the duration of this pandemic so no I don't see any social outreach but I have to also say that there's not a lot of places to put the people now in San Francisco for example they're saying we don't want any more people at the shelters because they're already too crowded so we have to have something other we're not putting them in shelters everything right now is sort of stretched to the max and there's not a lot of in between so no if you're taken off the train you're just put back up on market street and you know make your own way after that I'm speaking with Chronicle columnist Phil Mateer about the situation on BART now that they have reduced service and uh, we still have an issue with fare evasion and homeless people using the train system as a shelter. We're going to take a quick break and I want to come back and ask you specifically what the BART police are doing. We'll be right back after this. Phil, when we went to break, we were talking about uh, some of the frustrations with fare evasion on BART still being almost as high, if not just as high as it was before we all went to the shelter in place. 
Uh, you spoke to some police officers who gave, uh, in, in your column today, a pretty colorful story about one of the regulars that they encountered. Um, tell us about that. You know, it, 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 it's a story that says about BART, it's about our attitudes, and it's about life in the Bay Area. Yeah, um, a couple of the cops that I came across, they said they'd gotten on the station earlier at, at Lake Merritt in Oakland. And no sooner had they gotten on the train than they were confronted by a guy in a, in a hospital gown and hospital slippers who was, you know, running up and down the car screaming. Well, they'd known the guy. They'd known him for, I guess, years or months. They've, they've had him before. He's a known drug user. He's out of his mind half the the time, but they looked at him and they said, well, it looks like he's just been out of the hospital, so chances are he probably doesn't have the virus, okay? <laughs> and says so they calmed him down, and what they did is they, when they got to the Embarcadero station, they escorted him off the train. Now, that person is now on the streets. What happens to that afterwards remains to be seen. That's not BART or BART police's responsibility. And I'm not sure there was anybody they could call and say, come on and take this person and have it done in a reasonable amount of time that would keep them from what their primary job was to do, which is to protect the safety of the BART passengers and BART. So they went back and they took up positions. They're taking up positions uh, right at the fair gates, at right when people come in. I'm not sure if it's as effective. I'm not sure if it covers it. They don't do it all day long. They, there's only so many bar police. There's a lot of different stations. It's a tug of war that we're seeing on the mass transit. And it's sort of a spiral, I have to say. One, you reduce service because it's costing too much money. You reduce the passengers because and that because we don't have enough passengers. So you reduce the service. You have fewer passengers. But the fare evaders or other people still get on the system. And you got a problem there, both financially, but more important at this time, health. Should you be having people that have questionable health going around on the rides? And I'm not sure whether Muni or any other of the transit systems have that. I don't see it as much on Muni. I didn't see it on Golden Gate Transit. Although I have to say some of these buses are, 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 are very empty right now. It's not unusual to see two or three people on a bus coming in from Marin. That's got to cost a lot of money. So they're hoping for a federal bailout. But the BART police right now, their concentration is just trying to keep, like I said, the 120 plus miles of track safe. Well, and we were talking before, I, I asked you if you were being safe when you were writing BART. And, and, and that's something that's very difficult for people who are addicted to drugs or mentally ill. They're not thinking about washing their hands. BART has said that they're trying their best to keep the trains clean. What was the, could you tell any difference between the condition of the trains now as opposed to a few months ago? Uh, they look the same. Uh, I would have to say they look the same. The new cars are bright and shiny and uh, hard seats, and the homeless didn't seem to like them. The old cars looked their worn self, uh, but they were all clean. The stations were clean. BART was clean and is clean. Uh, that I saw around the block. i got to tell you, it's eerie-taking BART. It, it, was, it, was, it was a surreal experience because you get on the train, and like I said, it's empty. And then you, you let's say, you, you go through the, the, the tunnel and, and to Oakland, and you come out, and, and you, you come out, and you're elevated over the town. You're elevated because BART tracks are either underground or up high. And you're looking down, and the, the first thing you see is come through is the port of Oakland. And it's, it's operating. 
the trucks, the semis, the everything is seems to be perfectly normal. It, the, the the products are moving, the cranes are moving, the ships are being unloaded. They're getting on the freeways. They're moving, and then as you move more into Oakland and out of the port area, it almost becomes like like a train town, uh, you know, like a train set town. All the buildings are there, and there's cars on the sides of the streets, but they're not moving, and there's not people. And you see just the whole Bay Area is kind of like that. There's there's some trucks on the freeway, not as many as you saw before. So different hubs of activity, but this sort of whole areas of, of nothing happening. And I, to see that is it's just very, very strange. It adds to the surreal thing of being on the train with all the people as well. Yeah, it does sound very creepy. Uh, I I know BART has had a lot of problems with maintaining the size of the police department that it would like to have. Um, it, I spoke to our colleague Megan Cassidy earlier this week about how San Francisco police in particular are not arresting as many people. On one hand, they want to keep fewer people out of the jail where it's harder to contain these breaks, but they also don't want to touch people and they don't want to encounter them. They want to minimize that contact. What's the situation with BART police? Are they at a staffing level that's comfortable right now? Well, that depends on who you talk to. Uh, they are at a staffing level that still has one, it, in some instances, one officer for two stations that can be 10 miles apart and, or even longer. So they are making up for staffing, but they're still behind. And the second point you make is very good. Fair evasion of itself is a citation offense. And that you, you write up a ticket on that. And a lot of times they don't pay the tickets. The people don't have the money for the tickets. So what they were doing was checking for fares and saying, we're not going to write up a citation. We're just going to escort you off the premises. That's it. We're just off the premises. That's it. We're not going to fill out the paperwork. We're not going to move it. And in this time, not only is it a health issue, it's a time issue. How many people do you want to tie up making a what is a arrest that's going to go nowhere as to just trying to keep the situation as safe as possible? And across the board, we're seeing that kind of decision being made. I see it in the tenderloin when uh, questions come up about tents and whether or not they sh- where they are and how they should be. And everybody's just trying to say, look, we're trying to do the best we can. We've got to keep this somehow working. It's clearly maybe not be working the way we want it to. It's costing a lot of money, but we've got to get through the next couple of weeks. And will BART get through the next couple of weeks? Yes. Will it recover financially? That remains to be seen. But right now, what they're trying to do is keep it under control. And they know that this is a problem. They know that there's not an easy answer to it. So I don't think anybody's talking solutions right now. I'm hearing more, we're talking coping, managing the problem, not solving it. And we also know um, that no BART police officer or fair inspectors have tested positive yet for coronavirus, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily able to come to work either. A lot of them have children that are at home. They can't necessarily leave them. Um, and, and, And that's another problem. Do you have any sense of how BART comes back from this. I mean, if if tomorrow uh, the shelter in place was lifted and we're all able to go back, um, 
there's still going to be a lot of people crammed on those overcrowded BART cars. How do we how do we come back from this? That remains to be seen. Uh, I mean, that that's that's a very interesting question because, as you know, BART, when it was running and when we were everybody was working, was a sardine can from five in the morning to ten in the morning and from four in the afternoon until about seven or eight. And how do you move from from in place to that, I I don't know. Nobody is knows. I I have not met anybody that has an answer for that. Just like I don't have anybody that has an answer for when it is we're quote coming back or how we're going to do it. This isn't like a Bart strike or an earthquake where the minute you get the system back up and running, everybody's just really relieved and getting back in. I don't know what people's comfort level is going to be on that. But right now, I think. Uh, Nobody's saying anything publicly, but uh, you get the feeling that here and at services like this, essential services across the Bay Area and probably across the state is we're in this emergency mode. And I think we're on day 23 or 24 of it, right? Uh, I, it's, I, it's I don't started even on know what month it is. Or a couple of days, right. It's like when does the crisis mode begin to start taking its toll on the people managing it? You're not going to have everybody showing up for work all the time. Like you said, we're already having people say, I can show up, but I have child care issues. I can't make myself available. So when does it start having its impact on the people that are managing it? That, I think, is the more immediate concern and fear. Is BART is, has got to deal with its problems right now with fair evasion in the homeless, but it's also trying to say, okay, what do we do if we don't have the manpower? And they're already saying, well, we don't have the fair invasion inspectors, so we're going to get the people that used to patrol the parking lots, and they're going to come in and do it. They're going to be there. We're going to get bodies this way. We're going to get bodies that way. They may not be doing the same jobs. They may not be trained to do the jobs, but they're going to at least try to have them there to give, if not the power at least the presence that they're doing something but right now that's that's the big question i think across the board in the bay area we're all set up for this how long can we keep this sort of rubber band taunt at this level before it starts to slacken on its own i think that's a great question phil thanks for being with us today and thanks for having me i'd like to thank chronicle columnist phil matier for being with me today thanks to king kaufman for producing this episode and thank you for listening Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.